Blog Talk Radio. For the next two hours, we will be talking sports and having fun doing it. I want all your ideas, all your opinions, and all your beliefs. And, of course, as always, you will get a heavy dose of my opinion. If you have an opinion, number to call, 646-727-3070. That's 646-727-3070. You can listen to the show at blogtalkradio.com slash pgan. That's blogtalkradio.com slash pgan. And you can send messages to the show on Twitter, at go for again Also, the chat room is open, so you can go on to blogtalkradio.com slash pgan, listen to the show, and chat it up with me at blogtalkradio.com slash pgan. Great show lined up for you today. Expected to be joined by former Florida kicker Caleb Sturgis. Caleb is one of the top kickers in this NFL draft, and he is preparing for, his, for the NFL draft. His pro day is coming up. March 12th, and he did well at the Combine, did well at the East-West Shrine game. So we're going to talk to Caleb about the draft process and his preparation for the upcoming NFL draft. Also, we're going to be joined by free agent running back Raymond Carter. Raymond uh, is preparing for the Super Regionals in Atlanta March 16th, and Raymond uh, was with the Jaguars um, after the draft, signed with them as a free agent, undrafted rookie free agent, didn't last there, but he is preparing to do it again and preparing to impress NFL scouts, GMs around the league uh, this next week, I should say, in uh, Atlanta. And if things work out for him, hopefully he can move on to the Super Regionals in April. And also, we're going to be joined by our TV insider, Brian Sheriff, and he's going to talk all things TV the weekend in TV, talk about what's going on in TV, what to watch this weekend. you got some golf going on. you got the WBC going on. Of course, you got some NBA basketball going on. So you got a lot of things to look at this weekend. Championship week is, is getting started. And, you know, we're approaching March. We're in March, and we're approaching the madness that is March Madness, which is the NCAA tournament also, which is championship week. So a lot of great things going on this week, again, I should say, in the world of sports television. I want to start now in the NBA with the Miami Heat. The Miami Heat right now are on fire. They are on fire. 16-game win streak. They can go for 17 tonight if they can beat the Philadelphia 76ers. Yes, my Philadelphia 76ers, yes, the 76ers had so much hope coming into this 2013 season. But we don't talk about that right now. We're talking about the Miami Heat. The Miami Heat right now, they're on fire. I mean, they're on fire. LeBron's playing well. D. Wade is playing well. This team as a whole is playing well, and they're getting it done. They are flat out getting it done. They won the other night against the Orlando Magic, actually blew a 20-point lead, and LeBron came back at the end there, hit the big lay-in uh, to give Miami the decisive victory. 
97 and 96, and now this Heat team is really getting it done. Really getting it done. D Wade is getting it done. 27 points, over 61% shooting from the field the last seven games. He's balling, getting it done at an all at a high level, a very high level. This Miami Heat team and LeBron James, who we we know about him, we know about him, and we know what he's bringing to the table. We know we what he did in February: six straight games, 30 points, over 60% from the field. But he's averaging right now during this streak 28 points per game and 61% shooting from the field. I mean, these are unheard of numbers for a perimeter player like LeBron James. I mean, these are unheard of numbers. He's doing it inside, outside, and all around. He's balling. I mean, that's all you can say about LeBron James. He's balling this year. And is there any doubt at this point? Now with Tony Parker being out for four weeks, possibly. Is there any doubt now who is the MVP? I know there's been a lot of talk of Tony Parker, Tony Parker, Spurs, best record in the league, Spurs, one of the better teams in basketball, and Tony Parker, the best player on that best, on the Spurs team. But as far as I'm concerned, you know, as far as I'm concerned, as far as I'm concerned, you look at the Miami Heat, you look at LeBron James, he is the MVP. Tony Parker, what he did was nice, sure, it was nice. But the reality is, is that LeBron James is the MVP. He is the MVP. And if the Heat win tonight, they can match the Clippers' 17-game win streak as the uh, longest win streak in the NBA this season. And, you know, it's probably going to No, not probably. It's going to happen. I mean, I, I can't see the Sixers beating the Miami Heat. I can't see the Sixers beating the Miami Heat. I, I really can't. I really can't. I mean, the, 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 the Sixers are the Sixers, and I, I hate to say this at this point. I really do. But as far as I'm concerned, as a 76ers fan, I I'm kind of want them to lose. I, I really do. I just want now a lottery pick, uh, the highest lottery pick they can get, and I want to try to, you know, get some more talent to this roster. But let's go back to the Miami Heat. The Miami Heat, they can match the Clippers again with, uh, you know, in terms of the win streak, Clippers had a 17-game win streak. Miami Heat can match that tonight if they beat the Sixers, when they beat the Sixers. And comparing the two streaks and, I went to Bleacher Report, and I, and I looked at, the, as they're comparing the two streaks between the Clippers and the Miami Heat, Miami Heat have played, uh, in terms of winning percentage, uh, a harder schedule. Clippers had a 42.42.9 uh, winning percentage, the teams that they played, while you have the, uh, the Heat, who are at 47.8. So, you know, in terms of the winning percentage, the Heat have played a better schedule. A harder schedule, I should say. They have played a harder schedule. But you wonder, you know, how long can the streak go, especially after the Heat kind of escaped against the Orlando Magic the other night. You wonder how long this streak can go. You know, I mean, are, are they are they wearing down a little bit in terms of this streak? You know, you wonder how long this will go. Well, I'll tell you this. It's going to go 17. It definitely 
Wilco 17. And just looking at the heat schedule, we can forecast when this streak will end. And I'm about to do that right now. I'm about to tell you when I think this streak will end. I'm about to tell you when I think this streak will end. They're going to win this week, tonight, I should say, against the Sixers. They have Indiana on Sunday in a game that I think means a lot to both teams. I think Indiana wants to send a message to the Heat, and I think at the same time the Heat want to send a message to Indiana as they sent a similar message to the New York Knicks that, you know what, we are the top dog in the in the, in the East. We are the top dog in the East. But just looking at it, it's going to go 17. They have Indiana at home on Sunday, probably going to be 18. Atlanta at home. Tuesday, probably going to be 19. They have the Philadelphia 76ers again on Wednesday, March 9th. That'll be 20, 21 against the Milwaukee Bucks as they go to Milwaukee. I think the streak ends Monday night in Boston, March 18th. I think that's when the streak will end for the Miami Heat. It'll end in Boston Monday night. Actually, you know what? I'm going to push that up one. I think it ends in Toronto Sunday, March 17th. I think that's when it ends, Sunday, March 17th in Toronto. So it'll stop at 21 games. The win streak for the Miami Heat will end at 21 games, as I believe they will lose to the Toronto Raptors in Toronto Sunday, March 17th, on St. Paddy's Day. So the Heat, the Heat will not lose a game until next week, the end of next week. The end of next week is the next time the Miami Heat will lose. But I look at the schedule it's not a schedule where, you know, theoretically, if, you know, if they they can continue on this streak, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, 24, 25, 26, 27, 28, 29. This thing could conceivably go 29 games. They can conceivably go on a 29-game win streak. After Indiana on Sunday, they have Atlanta. Philadelphia, Milwaukee, Toronto, Boston, Cleveland, Detroit, Charlotte, Orlando, and Chicago, and then New Orleans. And then they get a – I mean, Boston's going to be a test, but they get a big, big test. And Chicago's going to be somewhat of a test as well, but they get that big test Sunday, March 31st, against the San Antonio Spurs. But I look at the heat schedule, and the only thing that will work against them is – the road games. They have a lot of road games coming up. After Indiana and Atlanta, after Philly, Indiana, and Atlanta, all at home, from March 13th to March 29th, well, March 13th, they are at Philly. So they go to Philly, they go to Milwaukee, they go to Toronto, they go to Boston, they go to Cleveland, and they go to, they have Detroit and Charlotte at home, and then they go back on the road to Orlando, Chicago, New Orleans, and San Antonio. So, a lot of road games, and because of that, 
because of those road games, it's probably going. You can I mean, it could conceivably go thirty. I don't think it will because of the amount of road games that they have. But they could conceivably this could this win streak can go thirty. Again, I don't think it will, but it could. But I think it ends again at twenty-one next week on Sunday, March seventeenth, St. Patty's Day, in Toronto against the Raptors. That's when I see it ending against the Raptors March 17th in Toronto. Mark it down. Put it on your calendars. That is the day the Miami Heat win streak ends. It ends that day. It ends that day. We'll see. We shall see. We shall see. But it should be interesting. I mean, wouldn't it be crazy if the Heat had a thirty game win streak? That would that would be that would be something. That would be something. But I mean, not necessarily well I was I was going to say not necessarily surprising, but any time a team has a thirty game win streak, it's surprising. I mean it, it's surprising. Very surprising. But the Miami Heat are—they—they they are that good in terms of the talent. They—they they have that ability to do that. They have that ability to go on that type of win streak. They have the ability to go on that type of win streak. They really do. The Miami Heat have the ability to go on a 30-game win streak. And I'm looking at the schedule, and it's not that crazy. It's not that crazy. It's really not. Now, do I think it'll happen? No, because I think it ends next Sunday. But could it happen with this talent, with the the way LeBron James is playing, with the way Dwayne Wade is playing? I mean, I, I just gave you the numbers in terms of what they're doing during this streak. I mean, Dwayne Wade over the past, not throughout the course of the streak, but Dwayne Wade over the past seven games, 27 points per game and close to 62% from the field. So, that's somebody who's getting it done. LeBron James during this streak, obviously doing his thing, obviously playing big-time ball, obviously carrying his team throughout the course of this streak and getting it done throughout the course of this streak. Amazing, and amazing, and amazing. And LeBron James, 28 points per game, 61% from the field during this win streak. So this is amazing. This is amazing, but at the same time, this could go on for a long time. This could go on for a long time. If these guys continue to play the way they're playing, this is going forever. This is going forever. Because the way these guys are playing, I mean, they're balling. They're balling. Both of these guys, I mean, Dwayne Wade, seven games, last seven games, 27 points per game, 61, 60% from the field, 61% from the field. LeBron James, big time work from the field, 60% from the field over the streak, 28 points per game. I mean, 
That's getting it done. That's scorching hot. And why would it stop? Obviously, they're going to have some off nights. They're going to have some off nights. I thought, you know, just watching some of that game against the, the Knicks, I thought that's where possibly – and going into the game, I thought the Heat were going to go in there and really send a message to the Knicks. But as the game progressed, I'm saying to myself, this might be the day where this thing ends. This could be the day where this thing finally ends. And it didn't. And it didn't. LeBron James and the Heat just dominated the second half. Dominated the second half, outscored the Knicks by 22 in that second half, and just took over the game. They took over the game in the second half. That's what the Heat did in that second half, and that's what they've been doing throughout the course of this streak. It's been impressive. It's been very, very impressive. And I think it keeps going and going and going, but it does end. Mark it on your calendars again, please. Get your phone. Uh, if you've got a calendar on your desk, mark it on your calendars. The win streak for the Miami Heat end. It ends March 17th, St. Patty's Day, against the Toronto Raptors. You're listening to Go For It on Block Talk Radio. Okay. Hey, what up? It's Corey Almeida, a.k.a. Corey Live, host of Picturica on the Hub and warm-up host for American Idol and Dancing with the Stars. And right now, you are listening to Go For It on Blog Talk Radio with my man, Paulie G and Jeremy. Get it! Okay. Hey, what up? It's Corey Almeida, a.k.a. Corey Live, host of Picturica on the Hub and warm-up host for American Idol and Dancing with the Stars. And right now, you are listening to Go For It on Blog Talk Radio with my man, Paulie G and Jeremy. Get it! Thank you, sir. Okay. Hey, what up? It's Corey Almeida, a.k.a. Corey Live, host of Picturica on the Hub and warm-up host for American Idol and Dancing with the Stars. And right now, you are listening to Go For It on Blog Talk Radio with my man, Paulie G and Jeremy. Get it! Thank you, sir. You got it, brother. Have a go, man. And we're back. Okay. And we're back. And hey, what up? It's Corey Almeida. Some technical difficulties there. We take care of that. And we're back. And I left with the Heat, and you know, we'll see what the Heat can do. But, of course, you know, this streak extends tonight against the Philadelphia 76ers. That's a, that's a given. We all know that's a given, what's happening tonight. They're going to beat the Sixers. And as much as that pains me to say, uh, it eats me up inside, makes me want to cry. But I have to – reality is reality. I have to face reality. It's going to continue. It's going to continue. It's going to continue. I'm sticking with the NBA, and I want to go to the Chicago Bulls and Derrick Rose. Um, Derrick Rose now, he has been cleared to play by his by the doctors. He has been cleared to play. He's cleared to play. But at this point, he says he's not ready. And as far as I'm concerned, I don't think they should rush him back. I mean, 
yes, the doctors have cleared him. But if he's not ready to go back, I don't think he should go back. If he's not ready to go back, he shouldn't go back. I mean, that, that that's just the bottom line. If if I understand what the doctors are saying. I understand what the doctors are saying. If the doctors are clearing him, yes, I guess he's good to go. But if he's telling me, you know what, I'm just not ready. I'm not ready. Then he's not ready. He's not ready. And as far as I'm concerned, like I said, it's no 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 need to rush him back. It's no need to rush him back. It, it really is no need to rush him back. Why rush him back? What's the use of rushing him back? I mean, you know, he's going to anchor your franchise for the next five to ten years. So why would you rush him back? Why would you rush him back? Now, I don't think they should, and I hope that they don't. But we'll get back to that now. We're going to bring in our guest now. On the line is a guy now who is preparing for the upcoming NFL draft, a guy who many have rated one of the top kickers in this draft. Let's bring him in now, former Florida kicker Caleb Sturgis. Caleb, how are you, man? I'm doing good. How are you? Doing well. Thanks for joining us. Uh, no problem. Thanks for having me. And let's get right down to it. The draft, it's right around the corner. I mean, we're up against it. It's coming. It's coming very, very soon. And you were at the Combines. You were at the East-West Shrine game. You were impressed there. You did your thing. Talk about your performances at the Combine and also at the East-West Shrine game. Um, I, th- I thought I uh, did pretty good at both uh, both events. I think you can always get better as a kicker. But I think I showed uh, a lot of the scouts and maybe some of the coaches things that maybe they didn't think I could do well. And I think I, I did those things both at the Combine and at the Shrine game. And what what were those things that you showed them that maybe they didn't think you could do well? Right, I think the biggest thing were my kickoffs. Uh, I think I didn't hit as many touchbacks as some of the other guys coming out of the class, but it w- wasn't necessarily what we did at uh, Florida. Um, as far as kicking touchbacks with the new rule change and everything and the way we directional kick. So I think I was able to show that I can hit the long ball with uh, some of the better guys. And how many teams were you able to talk to during your time at the Combine? Well, we have an interesting setup for the specialists. A lot of the other players, they kind of bring them over to a team of, um, you know, the maybe even the head coach and all the other coaches, and they bring them over to the table and sit them down one by one. With us, we really just got taken to tables of six different special teams coaches, and they got a lot of their general questions out of the way, and maybe a few of them would pull you off to the side. And did any teams kind of pull you off to the side? Um, Not too much. You know, okay. uh, the two teams in Florida, the Dolphins and the – Buccaneers, they 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 kind of did it a different way. They weren't really at the tables of six, so I think they pulled just about every specialist off to the side. But uh, really, really not too much of the combines. And we watch the combines, and we see what a lot of the other uh, position players do: run the forty, the bench press, the agility drills, things of that nature. Take us through what a kicker goes through at an NFL combine. Right. Yeah, it's so much different because I think those guys, they train their hardest to show, um, just to show off things that 
are related to football, but not exactly their craft. And it's a little different with kickers because we do pretty much the same thing we do in practice every single day. Um, we just did uh, five kickoffs down the middle. We did a few right and left and uh, just 15 field goals with snaps and holds. So it was almost a very routine practice-like feeling at the combine. Okay, okay. And looking at it now, I mean, you talked about it. You did talk to some teams at the combine. How did you prepare yourself for the coaches' interviews at the combine? Did you go through some mock interviews before the combine? Yeah, I was fortunate. Uh, my agent, um, Paul Shea, uh, he uh, sent Terry Ray down, who's also with our agency, and he went yeah. through a lot of the questions I'll be asked. And this was all at the East-West Shrine game. And uh, the East-West Shrine game was really good. As far as um, scouts asked me a lot of the same questions I ended up getting from special teams coordinators. So that was almost a preview to the combine and um, the more important interviews I'd have. So I, I felt really prepared when I went in there. Were there any questions that you, you weren't truly prepared for? <laughs> um, I think I was prepared for just about everything. I think I have a pretty clean record and all, which helped me out a lot. Cause I think that's right. They're they're really looking for any reason not to draft you. Um, right. So I, I think for the most part I did a good job. And, again, Terry did a good job of pinning everything I'm going to need to know. We're talking to former Florida kicker Caleb Sturgis as he prepares for the upcoming NFL draft. Now, Caleb, your pro day is coming up March 12th. What do you hope to show these team, the other teams that you haven't shown thus far? All right. Well, I think uh, – I think just about every team was at the combine, but from a kicker standpoint, it's all about showing consistency. Uh, okay. You know, they seem that I can do it at once. Can I do it twice? And uh, I think that's what they'll all be looking for this time around. Hopefully there'll be a, a lot of teams that are interested and will be there to watch. But uh, anytime you go out there, you just want to impress people. It's a time to show off, and that's what I'm looking forward to doing. And you talked about your, consistent, your consistency. You were very consistent during your time at Florida. Talk about your consistency during your time at Florida. What made you so consistent? I think being a kicker, it's just finding the right groove. Uh, I was very fortunate. I had a really good snapper and holder during my time there. Um, I had coaches that trusted in me a lot, and it just kind of takes a lot of of, I guess any kind of stress you'd have going into any kind of kick, knowing that they have your back and are, are there for you no matter what. I just got in a really good groove, um, became very consistent with my steps and everything I did, and that just all led to, from the practice field over to the game field. Hey, Caleb, throughout your, court, throughout your time at Florida, a lot of people talked about your leg strength. You were able to hit eight for nine from uh, 40 yards and beyond. What did you do during your time at Florida to improve your leg strength? Um, really, I I feel like I came out of high school with a really good leg, but I wasn't I wasn't very consistent. So I'd say the biggest thing for me was just fine tuning where if I didn't hit a ball perfectly, it'd still go through the uprights. So I think um, I mean really we did a good job in the weight room. The new strength coach, Coach Dillman, and um, he did, he did a good job. I guess just having a program to keep me at the best for game day, as fresh as I could be and as strong as I could be. Didn't uh, try to overload in the weight room where I'd be hurt or anything like that. Just always thought 100% for game days. We're talking to former Florida kicker Caleb Sturgis as he prepares for the upcoming NFL drafts. Caleb, I'm looking at some of the mock drafts now. 
I'm saying that you could go anywhere between fourth and seventh round. What are you hearing in terms of that? <laughs> um, I really don't pay attention too much to that. Uh, I know there's so much that goes into it and all. Right. I just know all I can do right now is every opportunity I every opportunity I get to kick in front of special teams coaches that uh I, I just want to leave them with something that they feel like that you know they can't be without this year. So that's that's all I'm okay. looking into right now and then maybe as soon as after the time goes where they can't try us out anymore I'll look more into what all the boards are saying. So is it a situation every time you see a board or or, or, or reading a board you just cover your eyes? <laughs> <laughs> It's not like that. I mean, obviously, you have friends will text you or links or send you links to different things and all. So you, just, you know, it's just like, just like any anything. You just kind of take it and let it go. Don't try to reside on any of it and thinking that that you're done. And Caleb, I want to play a game with you in terms of MythBusters, and this and this pertains to just kickers. So I got a right. few questions for you in terms of myths. About kickers, you ready to play? I'm ready. Does icing the kicker really work? <laughs> it's funny. I've I've gotten this. I think I even maybe got this question at the combine. In in my opinion, no. I'd like to see the statistics on it because, I mean, every every time I've watched it, always seems like they make the second kick. So, in my opinion, no. Good answer. Very good answer. Are kickers really athletes? <laughs> I've seen some pretty good athletes uh, as far as kickers go. I'd, I'd like to believe I am, but I think my welcome to Florida moment was you go out there and we have different speed groups, and we're out there running. And I'm that you know you start out next to everybody, and you, you're running 20 yards, and you're at about 14, and Percy Harvin's already through 20. So <laughs> I, I don't know if we're that caliber. Some of the some of the guys are. You know, I, I've heard Adam. Podlish runs about a four four forty. I know Bueller put up that amazing combine. I know you know I know Hopkins is a good athlete as well. So I, I think we're all I think we're all good athletes and we're becoming better athletes as far as uh, the elite ones in the NFL. I don't know about that. And the final one, it's easier to kick on turf than grass. Easier to kick on. I I think it depends how nice the grass is. With turf, okay. you know exactly what you're getting every time. Um, with grass, it, I mean, if it's a really nice field, I'd prefer to kick on grass all day. But how, how many times do you get that? Definitely, definitely. And who was your favorite team growing up? Uh, in college or the NFL? NFL. I uh, the NFL, I was always a – I'm from St. Augustine, Florida, so I was always a big Jaguars fan right up the road. Okay, okay, okay. Big-time Jaguars fan. Who knows, maybe the Jaguars will call your name. Caleb, I know you're not on Twitter, and I, I, I've been reading on Twitter, and I know a lot of guys want to get you on Twitter. What are the chances <laughs> that Caleb Sturgis will get on Twitter? Well, I'll, I'll say uh, it's 100% now because I, I did actually make one. Okay, um, okay. Went out and bought a smartphone today, so it's my first smartphone. <laughs> I'm 23 years old, so that's pretty crazy. But uh, so when I start using it a lot, that that might be a little while, but I, I will get one. You will get one, okay? So you you are in the process of of starting a Twitter account. You started it, or you're in the process of starting it? I've started. I I still haven't. I mean, I, I've tweeted at people. I I still don't. 
do my own really yet. So I've got, got to, I guess, learn the craft. I know uh, some of the other specialists with my agency uh, can show me how it's done. I know Johnny Hecker <laughs> so what is, is on there Twitter? a lot. What, what is your Twitter handle? Where can fans connect with you on Twitter? It's uh, Caleb Sturgis1. Okay. So at Caleb Sturgis1, fans, you can you can connect with this man. He got his first smartphone today, right? Today, yeah. Today, you got his first smartphone at the age of 23. Well, Caleb, uh, I hope this will make you feel better. I got my first smartphone at the age of 34. So, okay. you know, <laughs> uh, you're a little bit ahead of me. You're definitely yeah. a little bit ahead of me, a lot ahead of me. <laughs> Caleb, it was a pleasure having you, man. Wish you nothing but the best of luck in this upcoming NFL draft. Love to have you back on again. Good luck to you. Thank you. I really appreciate you having me. Take care. All right. Caleb Sturgis, kicker, former kicker for the University of Florida as he prepares for the upcoming NFL draft. And a lot of teams out here, I mean, you look at the San Francisco 49ers who recently uh, released David Aker, longtime kicker for the Eagles and kicked for the 49ers the past two seasons. And you look at David, you look at the 49ers and you were wondering at what point would David Akers really bite the 49ers in the butt? When would having David Akers on your roster? I mean, David Akers was struggling this season. I mean, missed double-digit field goals this season for the 49ers. It's been, it was a struggle for him. And I thought, not to go back, but I thought the game against the Falcons where he missed that field goal there, I thought it was a chip shot, too. I think it was about 34, 35-yard field goal. He missed it. Hit the upright. I thought that was the moment where David Akers would bite the 49ers in the butt. But the 49ers ultimately overcame that, ultimately got to the Super Bowl, and we all know what happened after that. But the 49ers, maybe the 49ers are a team that could use Caleb Sturgis, a guy that can boom the ball. Maybe the 49ers could use this guy. Maybe he is the guy that could, could fix their kicking game. They're going to need a kicker. They're going to need a kicker. And we, a lot of times we tend to forget about the kicker. We tend to forget about the kicker. The moment you forget about the kicker, 2011, Baltimore Ravens, Billy Cundiff. Remember that? Well, I mean, the moment you forget about the kicker is the moment it bites you in the butt. So, and the moment you forget about special teams, for, for that matter. I mean, you remember that 49er, Jacoby Jones, that big kickoff return in the uh, Super Bowl? So the moment you forget about special teams is the moment it bites you in the butt. I mean, there are three phases to every game, three phases to an NFL football game. It's offense, it's defense, and special teams. you got to take care of those three phases in order to be successful in this league. Bottom line, point blank. But we wish Caleb Sturgis nothing but the best of luck. He's going to get drafted. I think he is going to get drafted. A lot of people are talking about this guy right now. So I, I do believe he is going to get drafted. He's been very consistent at Florida, 24 for 28 in terms of field goals, 8 for 9 from 40 yards and beyond. So he's been very consistent, very, very consistent. He was consistent at the Combine, consistent at the East-West Shrine game, very consistent. And his consistency is what probably is going to put him in the NFL with some team. Maybe it's his hometown Jaguars, his favorite team. Who knows? But he is going to be playing on Sundays. I want to go back to Derrick Rose now. And, again, he has been cleared by doctors. 
he has been cleared by doctors to return. And I know it was funny. There were a lot of people who had the video of him dunking. If you watch that dunk, he came down kind of – he didn't come down like he usually comes down after a dunk. So you saw that, and you say, you know what? He does not have confidence in that leg right now. He doesn't have confidence in that left knee right now. He just doesn't. And, you know, the thing about it is, I mean, Adrian Peterson messed it up for everybody who has an ACL injury nowadays. He messed it up for everybody. Came back and went over 2,000 yards. I mean, Adrian Peterson hurt his ACL near the end of the season, and he came back and was dominant, 2,000 yards. A 2,000-yard-plus season and almost called Eric Dickerson. So Adrian Peterson is messing it up, messing it up for everybody. He's messing it up for everybody. It's not fair, Adrian, what you did. It's not fair, man. You're messing it up for Derrick Rose. Everybody expects now that you come back. You got to come back right away from an ACL injury. You got to come back and dominate. That's what everybody's expecting. That's what everybody's expecting. And a lot of people say, you know, when you tear that ACL, it's a two-year injury. You're not right until that second year after the injury. You're not right. It takes two years to get right after an ACL injury. That's what everybody's that, – that, that's what usually happens when you have an ACL injury. But, again, Adrian Peterson done messed it up for everybody. He messed it up for everybody. So now the expectation has changed. The expectation has changed. Don't rush back, Derek. Take your time. Take your time. And the Bulls have said they're not putting any pressure on him. They're not putting any pressure on him to return. They're not putting any pressure on him to return. And it's wise. I mean, let's be honest. Do you really think... And and I, I know, you know, the Bulls, they believe in themselves as a team and believe in their abilities as a team and are and playing fairly decent basketball without Derrick Rose. And obviously having Derrick Rose ultimately makes you a better basketball team. But I look at the Chicago Bulls and I look at who they have to go up against in order to, for them to get to the NBA Finals and ultimately win an NBA title. Do you see the Chicago Bulls, even with Derrick Rose, beating the Miami Heat? Do you really see that happening? I don't. Do I think with Derrick Rose, the, the, the Bulls could give the Heat a, a competitive series? Yes, they can. But could they beat the Miami Heat with Derrick Rose, the way this team is presently constructed? No, they cannot. They cannot. And, I'm, you know, Reggie Rose a few weeks back talked about, you know what, this team needs to do stuff. They need to do more, surround my brother with some more talent. And I don't know what Reggie Rose wanted at the uh, trading deadline. He wasn't getting Dwight Howard. I mean, if you're not getting Dwight Howard, who else could you have gotten that could have changed the fortunes of your franchise in 2012-2013? Who could have done it? Who could have done it? J.J. Reddick? Who went to Milwaukee? J.J. Reddick was the the missing piece? Was the thing that was going to put you over the top? No, not at all. Not at all. Josh Smith? Would Josh Smith have put the Bulls over the top? Would have made them better. I'm not sure if it would have made them better than the Heat. You know, the the funny thing now is, 
you look at it, and, and I'm starting to think at this point, and maybe I'm kind of, you know, going a little too fast with this, but you're looking at guys like Derrick Rose, guys like Melo, Carmelo Anthony, you know, you know, superstars, stars at least, in the NBA and the Eastern Conference. You're wondering now whether or not these guys will become the 2000 version of, of, of Patrick Ewing. Of Reggie Miller, even Charles Barkley when he was in the Eastern Conference with the Sixers at one point. Do these guys now turn into those guys? And what I'm saying is, do those guys not? I don't think, I mean, the Knicks got up to a great start in December. The Knicks, 15 games over 500, I get that. But the Knicks, I don't think they can beat the Miami Heat in a seven-game series. They can compete with the Miami Heat. They can make it competitive, but they're not beating the Miami Heat. And we saw on Sunday. So the one thing that impressed me about that game, and the Miami Heat didn't play their best ball, and that's why, and they still won. And that was what was impressive to me. You don't play your best ball, but guess what? You still win the game. You, You still come out and you dominate the second half, and you get it done. You ride your superstar, LeBron James, to victory. That was very impressive to me about that victory. That made that victory very, very impressive. How they were able, how they were able to not play their best ball, go on the road to New York, a team that beat them uh, two times this season, and they were able to go into that building, Madison Square Garden not play their best ball, and still come out with a W. But I'm looking at Melo. I'm looking at Derrick Rose now. These guys, superstars, and I'm saying, you know what? You might be the next Patrick Ewing, Reggie Miller, guys who have ran into Michael Jordan. And what I'm saying is these guys now are running into LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in the Miami Heat. You knew when that roster was constructed and put together, when they had the big three, you knew that the Eastern Conference in a lot of ways was locked down. It was locked down. And the way the Eastern Conference is now, it's Miami, it's the Miami Heat. And I don't want to say everybody else because I like, I think the Knicks can give them a competitive series. And I like the Indiana Pacers, a team that's been playing some good basketball of late, and a team that has players that could give the Heat problems. Paul George with his length. Roy Hibbert, his length. The guys that got coming off the bench with the Indiana Pacers. This is a team now with the Indiana Pacers who are have the third-best record in the Eastern Conference, but probably is the second-best team in the Eastern Conference. Granger is back. So you got Granger back. I mean, you have him back. And he can come off with Tyler Hansborough off the bench. I mean, you got guys who can bank. You got physical, you got a physical presence in Roy Hibbert. You know, you got guys who could give the Heat problems. They're long. George Hill, their point guard, he's long. They're a long team. Long and fairly athletic with size. So, long, fairly athletic. With size, that could give the Heat problems. 
That could give the Heat problems. I mean, David West, the rugged David West. This team could give the Heat problems. And this team gave the Heat problems last year in the playoffs. Granted, it may have helped that Chris Bosh was hurt. That might have helped. This was a team that had a 2-1 lead on the Miami Heat. A 2-1 lead on the Miami Heat. This was a team that this is a team that could give the Heat problems. I'm not saying they're going to beat the Heat, but this is a team that could compete with the Miami Heat. Not the Knicks. The Indiana Pacers are the team that, as far as I'm concerned, could give a scare to the Miami Heat. Chicago, if Derrick Rose comes back, you don't know what he's going to be like. Is he going to be the Derrick Rose of old? Is he going to have that same type of athleticism that he had before the injury? Is he going to be Adrian Peterson-like and come back in some respect better? Is he going to be that guy? I'm not so sure. I'm not so sure. And, you know, a lot of people don't, a lot of people forget this, but Amon Shumpert and Derrick Rose both tore their ACLs on the same day. Both tore their ACLs on the same day, and Amon Shumpert is back. It's not an indictment on Derrick Rose. I'm just saying. Amon Shumpert is back. He's back. So I, I, I look at that, and I say, you know what? Take your time, Derrick Rose. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. Take your time. Take your time. Take your time and make sure you are right. But the reality is, Derrick Rose, Carmelo Anthony, you guys could be Patrick Ewing and Reggie Miller. That could be your career. You could be Patrick Ewing and Reggie Miller because LeBron James and Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh are going to be in your way for a while. They're going to be in your way. What you going to do? What are you going to do? Staying in the NBA, how about the Los Angeles Lakers? The Los Angeles Lakers, believe it or not, are a game and a half behind the Utah Jazz for the eighth and final spot in the Western Conference. The Utah, I mean, the Los Angeles Lakers. And this is a team that's finally at 500. It's, I say this all the time, and i got to repeat it. I'm sorry. I say it all the time. But it's a, this is like crazy that the Lakers, the Lakers, we're talking about the Lakers. The Lakers. We're talking about the Lakers, and we're talking about the Lakers in the eighth and final seed in the Western Conference. We're talking about the Lakers now finally becoming 500. That's what we're talking about, the Lakers, the Lakers. But this is a team still can't beat the top four in the Western Conference, still having a hard time doing that, still having a very hard time doing that. But this is a team that shows some fight the other night against the uh, New Orleans Hornets, being down over 20 points, being down in that particular ball game and able to come back and beat the New Orleans Hornets. 21-point lead. They were down by 21 points in the final minute of the third quarter, the New Orleans Hornets, and them, the Lakers showed some grit, 
showed some toughness and went on a 20-0 to run in the fourth quarter to take the lead and ultimately win the game. Kobe Bryant was Kobe Bryant. 42 big points in that particular ball game. I don't think the Lakers, and, and I've been asking this question for the past few weeks now. Will the Lakers make the playoffs? Will the Lakers make the playoffs? And I never was a guy. I was close. I'm not going to sit here and lie to you. I was close to, to, to putting a nail in that coffin. I was close to saying that the Lakers won't make the playoffs. Now, I'm leaning towards definitively saying that the Lakers will make the playoffs. I've said it. I've said it. I put it out there. I, I, I put it out there. The Lakers will make the playoffs. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Maybe not. Maybe not. No, I'm sticking with that. I'm sticking with that. Who cares about that horn? I don't care about that horn. As far as I'm concerned, the Lakers will make the playoffs. Who's got my back? Who's got my back? Thank you. Thank you very much. The crowd has my back. They have my back. The Lakers will make the playoffs. Who's going to fall out? Somebody's got to fall out for the Lakers to fall in. It's going to be the Utah Jazz. The Utah Jazz is the team that's going to fall out. This is the team that won't make the playoffs. The Utah Jazz. They will not make the playoffs. The Lakers will get in as the eighth seed, and they will play the San Antonio Spurs, who will secure, who I think will stay at one. And you look at the Utah Jazz during a three-game East, Eastern, uh, Eastern Conference uh, road trip, three games out east. First game they lost to Cleveland. They have Chicago tonight at Chicago, and they go to New York Saturday night to face the Knicks. Then they go back home to play, play Detroit, and then they have to go to Oklahoma City. So, you look at this schedule for the, the Utah Jazz, and there's a possibility that the Lakers could catch the Jazz by what? Weekends, by the end of the weekend, possibly. By the end of the weekend, the Lakers could be sitting in the eighth seed. The Lakers could be sitting in the eighth seed by the end of the weekend. They have Toronto at home tonight, and they have Chicago at home on Sunday. And then they go to Orlando on Tuesday. They have a three-game roadie after they play Chicago at home. So I look at the Lakers. I'm going to put this out there, just like I put it out there to Miami Heat's win streak will end March 17th against Toronto Raptors on St. Paddy's Day. The Los Angeles Lakers will be in the eighth seed, will be the eighth seeded team in the Western Conference by the end of the day Sunday. They will be the eighth seed in the Western Conference by the end of the day Sunday. Utah will lose tonight against the Bulls, and Utah will lose tomorrow night. Well, let me let me check that. We'll see if Mel is playing uh, 
Saturday night. But the Knicks are still a formidable formidable team, even without Mello, as we saw last night. They really gave the Thunder a run for their money. I mean, J.R. Smith, 36 big points. I mean, they gave the Thunder all they could handle. But anyway, the Knicks will still win. I think the Utah Jazz will be the ninth seed in the playoffs after Sunday. The Los Angeles Lakers will be the eighth seed in the playoffs. And I think they're going to hold on to it. I think they will hold on to it. Utah, tough. Well, I mean, they had a bad loss against Cleveland the other night. You can't lose to the Cleveland Cavaliers when you're fighting for your playoff lives. When you're in a playoff race. You can't lose to the Cleveland Cavaliers. I don't care where it's played. I don't care where it's played. You can't lose the Cavaliers when you're in a playoff race. That's something you cannot do. That is something you cannot do. You just can't. You just can't do that. You can't do it. And again, three of the next four four games are against playoff teams. Three of the next four games are against playoff teams, and those three games are on the road. They're on the road. Then after that, I mean, they're at home, but they have the Grizzlies coming to town, and then they have the Knicks. So March 16th, they have the Grizzlies, and then March 18th, they have the Knicks coming to town. So after they play three out of four games against playoff teams on the road, they go home twice to the Grizzlies, and they go home against the Grizzlies and the Knicks, and then they go back on the road for a three-game roadie the Texas, they go through Texas, and you know that's a hard three games in Texas. Houston, San Antonio, and Dallas. What's the best you can ask for there? One out of three? One out of, uh, yeah, one out, one out of two, excuse me? One for two? Is that the best you can ask for in Texas? I, I guess the best, theoretically, would be two and one. I, you're, you're not sweeping those three games in Texas. That's something you're you're not going to do. You're going to lose to one of those three teams. And the game against Houston is going to be big because Houston is in the seventh spot. And I hope that Houston stays in that seventh spot because I want to see James Harden go up against Kevin Durant, Russell Westbrook, and the Oklahoma City Thunder in the playoffs. That's what I want to see. So Houston, stay at seven. Just, just find a way to stay at seven. Oklahoma City, find a way to stay at two, find a way to stay at two, because that's the matchup I want to see in the playoffs. But the Utah Jazz are probably going going to be the odd team out. Their schedule is difficult. That's a difficult schedule they have. They have to navigate. Very difficult. Very difficult. They do get some soft touches in the Sixers and the, the Suns at home, the 25th and the 27th of March. But then they go to Portland on Friday, which is always a tough place to play. And they have Brooklyn coming to town March 30th, and Brooklyn is a playoff team. So it's going to be difficult for the Utah Jazz. It's going to be difficult. I think that's going to be the odd team out. Houston will stay in, and the Lakers will replace the Utah Jazz, and the Lakers will occupy the eighth seed in the Western Conference. That's the way I see it. Lakers eight, 
Hopefully Houston stays at seven. Golden State's a team that's struggling a little bit. They didn't do too well on their road trip, their recent road trip. Not a very good road trip for them, but they did come back off the road trip and went two games in a row. But that road trip was killer for them. You're thinking that's a possibility that that team may come back to the pack a little bit. Surprise team, the Golden State Warriors. I mean, that last road trip, they the went to Indiana, went to New York, went to Boston, and went to Philadelphia and lost all four of those games. Lost all four of those games, but they did come back and did take advantage of a couple soft touches, Toronto and Sacramento. But could Golden State be a team that comes back to the pack a little bit? And they have come back to the pack, but will they come back even more? Where there'll be a situation where Houston gets six and maybe the Lakers can sneak into seven. And Golden State sticks at eight. I don't think that happens, but you never know. Golden State, again, had a four-game win streak to end uh, February and to start March. But those games were all on the road, and you know, road games are tough. Indiana, New York, and Boston, tough places to play. But the loss of Philadelphia and Philly is probably inexcusable. Not probably. It is inexcusable. Why am I talking so bad about my boys, my Sixers? This this is painful for me to talk this way about my Sixers. Why am I doing this to myself? Why am I talking so bad about my Sixers, my, my Sixers, my Sixers who were supposed to be so good this year. My Sixers, who with Andrew Bynum, who was supposed to be the guy that was supposed to anchor this franchise for years to come. Now you wonder if Andrew Bynum ever will play a game in the NBA again with his issues with his knees. And this is a guy that seemingly, I mean, you look at him, do you get the sense that Andrew Bynum really loves to play football, uh, basketball? Do you get the sense that he's a he's a, a hoops junkie? Or do you get the sense that he grew up tall, he just became tall, and just ultimately, because he was tall, he just fell into basketball. You know what? I'm a seven-footer. Let's play basketball. That's what seven-footers do. That's what seven-footers do. Let's play basketball. That's what seven-footers do. And maybe that's one. that's the type of guy he is. Never really loved the game. You don't sense that he loves the game. I mean, you don't sense that he is a gym rat. You don't sense that he watches basketball when he's at home. You don't get that sense from him. You just don't. And as far as I'm concerned, you don't have to like basketball, Andrew, if you can ball. You don't like that, like don't have to like basketball if your knees are healthy. Who cares? You don't have to like basketball. That's cool. It is what it is. Just get on the court. And it won't happen this year probably. You probably won't play a game. As much as that pains me to say, it makes me want to cry. Yes, grown men do cry, and real men do cry. I want to cry, but I'm not, because it is what it is. Andrew Bynum's not crying. He's just going straight to the bank with that paycheck that he's getting. He's going straight to the bank, and I think he will get paid somewhere by somebody. Maybe my Sixers, who knows? Somebody's going to pay this guy. Seven-footers like him, they don't grow on trees. 18 and eighteen and 12, what he had last year, that doesn't grow on trees. It doesn't grow on trees. It does grow on women's bellies, though. But that takes nine months and also takes another 18 to 20 years for them to get to the NBA. So it takes a long time, a very, very long time. And 20 years from now, who knows 
where we will all be. So, Andrew Bynum, please get on the court. Somehow, some way, get on to the court. The second hour of Go For It starts right now. And in this hour, we're expected to be joined by Raymond Carter, free agent running back. And Raymond uh, played for Colorado State uh, two years ago. And Raymond right now, he's in the process right now. He had the situation. He went undrafted. He went to the Jaguars. That didn't work as a free agent, undrafted free agent. That didn't work out for him. So now he's going through the process in some respect again as he's going to the, to the regional combines in Atlanta, Next week, and Raymond is trying to get to the NFL. This is a guy who last year ran a four, a four four forty. This is a guy who who bench pressed twenty six, uh, two twenty five, two twenty five, twenty six times. This is a guy who who a lot of people believe has some ability, but he has to prove it. He's got to prove himself one more again as he's uh going to the regional combine. And hopefully for him, if he can go there, be successful. There's opportunity for him to go to the Super Regional Combines in April, and who knows what can happen for for Raymond Carter. But we're going to talk to him about his preparation for the Regional Combines in Atlanta uh, in this hour. Also, we're going to be joined by TV insider Brian Sheriff. We're going to talk the weekend in sports. What's going on in sports this weekend? Of course, Championship Week is about to get underway. Of course, the NBA is hot and heavy, of course. You got golf. Tiger is doing his thing right now. Of course, you got the WBC. A lot of things going on with that. U.S. gets started tonight. So we're going to talk about all those things. The weekend in sports, television, and the man that's going to do it is the man, the myth, the legend, the sheriff. He's going to talk about it. Look forward to talking to him about the weekend in sports. It should be very, very interesting. The weekend in sports. I mean, sports, it's heating up. It's March, and you know what? We're we're about to set our clocks a little forward, so it's going to be lighter. It's going to be some light later in the day, which is always a good thing. Always a good thing. Always a good thing. Always a good thing. I mean, it's a great thing. It's a great thing. It's a great thing. And you know what? The reality is this is the time now where, you know, everybody that's that's been hauled up and, you know, depressed, now it's different now. You you know, you, you got an opportunity to get some sunlight now. You got an opportunity to get some sunlight. And that's a good thing. You know what? You get, you get some sunlight. Let's get some sunlight now and enjoy the race because now – and maybe the snow will go away too. Snow is in the process of going away, so you get that away. And so, you know what? Let's enjoy it now. Let's let's start enjoying that sunlight 
enjoy the sunlight, smell the smell the roses, and you know the it's, spring is right around the corner. Spring is right around the corner, and I'm looking forward to that very much. So we're about to bring in a guy now. He's he's talked about earlier. He is preparing for the regional combines in Atlanta. This is a guy now who's hungry. This is a guy now who's trying to get himself into the NBA, and ultimately, this is a guy who is very humble. Let's bring him in now, the humble one, former Colorado State running back, Raymond Carter. How you doing? Raymond, how are you, man? I'm good. I can't complain at all. You, you sound relaxed. You sound prepared. You sound ready to go, and let's get right down to it. I mean, you're going to the 2013 Regional Combine in Atlanta. You called this the most important time of your career. Tell us why. Oh, yeah. I mean, um, you know, just everything that happened last year, you know, just, you know, rededicating myself, you know, to make another push at everything, you know. And just me, you know, just being more dedicated than ever and being grounded and just me being, you know, blessed with the opportunities, you know. It's, you know, this opportunity don't come often. So, right. I mean, this is the most important thing to me. So, you know, with my preparation up to this point has been very well. So, I'm just ready to take advantage of it. And what do you hope to accomplish in Atlanta? What do you hope to show scouts this time around that you have not shown them before? Um, you know, just to show them that, you know, the time, you know, I was off and I've been preparing, you know, to, to stay ready and be ready at all times, you know, show them that, you know, I've still been maintaining everything, you know, that they've seen before. You know, just show them, you know, everything that, you know, what I'm capable of. Um, like I said, training been going well. Um, I'm moving well. You know, I put on a little bit extra pounds, but I'm still moving like okay. I was when I was lighter. So, which is a plus. So, you know, just so you know that you know I can be capable. You know, whatever they throw at me, if I get the opportunity. Right. And, and you've been training in California for this big day next week in Atlanta. What have you done differently this time around in terms of preparation? Um, I can say, you know, I'm more focused on the task okay. at hand. Um, been more focused, you know, because, like I said, it's opportunity don't you know, come a lot. So me knowing the opportunity, you know, I told myself, you know, no excuses this year. So my focus has been on on top so I can, you know, be prepared to um, go in there confident and get the job done. Definitely. We're talking to former Colorado State running back Raymond Carter. Tell us, Raymond, what do you bring to an NFL team? What can you bring to an NFL team? Um, well, everybody knows, you know, the NFL, you know, the game is evolving. Um, so, you know, they're looking for, you know, guys that can be versatile. So I can bring, you know, like what I was when I was in college, you know, they used me a lot in the run game and the pass game. You know, I think that's what most guys, most teams in the NFL are looking for their backs to do these days because, like I said, the game is evolving. So, um, you know, I can, you know, run the ball and I can catch the ball. You know, I can bring that to the game, you know, with my size and speed. And I got good hands, and you know, I've been working on that a lot too. So I can bring um, best of both worlds to the game because, like I said, um, the game is evolving, and you know, running backs, you know, they're big responsible. They're they're responsible to running the ball, but more 
they're being more involved in the passing game too, and and you know the main uh-huh. thing is pass protection and stuff like that too. And you know, that's always a plus. But um, yeah, I bring I bring those attributes to the table. You talked about being the best of both worlds, being Jay Z and R. Kelly like. And last year, I mean, you, we're we're looking at your forty time, your forty time, four 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 forty. You you were a guy who bench pressed two twenty five twenty six times. Have you improved on any of those numbers? Is the forty time around the same? Um, well, where I am now as far as times, I'm I'm ahead of where I was last year around this time. So, which is a plus because you know I'm doing it at a much heavier weight. I'm at like two twenty right now, and last year around this time I was around two sixteen, two seventeen. So I put on you know a couple pounds. But I'm still moving faster. I'm still, you know, where I am. Like I'm happy where I am right now with training. You know, those guys have velocity. You know, they've been, you know, working my tail off, making sure because I met with them before I started training and told them where my head was at. And you know, they told me, you know, they're gonna push me so they can make sure, you know, I go into these things, you know, ready. So those guys been helping me a lot, you know, to maintain, to get faster. Um, mm. Stay strong, get strong, and stuff like that. So, like I said, like so, where I am right now is I'm better than where I was last year around this time, which is a plus. So I'm I'm looking forward to um, next Saturday, and also I'm going to do I'm going back to Colorado State to do my pro day again. You no, know, okay. I don't think you knew that. So um, yeah, I want to do that again. You know, just you know, the more exposure, the better. You know, get myself out there. You know, to show the scouts, you know that. You know, I am that guy. That's still the same guy. You know that they were taking a look at last year, and some of the teams that took the opportunity on me that you know I'm still capable of doing what you know what I'm capable of doing. So, you know, um, like I said, the opportunity is great. You know, it's just on me to you know take advantage of. And and last year you went undrafted, but ultimately you would land with the Jaguars. You did not stick mm-hmm. there with the Jaguars. What do you think happened in Jacksonville? Um, I mean, just looking at the roster, you know what I mean? It's a numbers game. Just looking at the roster, um, you know, they was pretty stacked at running back already. You know, they was probably like four or five deep up there at running back, not even counting Maurice Jude that was out at the time. So, you know, once that's, that's where I kind of figured. But at the same time, you know, I was still blessed with the opportunity, you know, to still to participate, you know, in the camp. And, you know, and, and okay. that opened me, it opened my eyes to a lot because now I know what to expect. I know what the coaches, you know, is looking for. And, you know, that opened my eyes a lot because it's like, I mean, the first day of practice, you know, everything was fast and, you know, you got to be on top of your game. So it was an eye opener. But, um, you know, by the rest of the days, it went smooth. But, um, yeah, but, yeah, it was a numbers game, you know. Um, you know, I couldn't be mad at that. You know, I was still blessed with the opportunity. And so, and that's how that worked out. But you know, I still had an opportunity, you know, to go up to um Green Bay for a rookie camp, you know, I also had a workout um with New England probably like a month later after Green Bay. So yeah. But I have my opportunities. That's why I was, you know, telling myself, you know, no excuses this year. But to keep myself ready to go, you know what I'm saying, no matter what. So yeah. And what did the Jaguars and the Packers and the the Patriots, what did they tell you that what did they say that you needed to improve on? What was the thing that they felt you needed to improve on? Um, you know, just hearing the feedback from the team, you know, um, 
you know, it really, it really, really wasn't anything negative. I'm you know saying, okay. uh, you know, just you know the situation. You know, I mean, just me coming in as a free agent back. You know, they they were sticking with the guys, you know, um, that they already had. Um, you know, I mean, the biggest feedback you know that I got was from New England when I went there for the workout. You know, um, you know, they said, you know, um, when they when I did my workout. What they saw of him is what I did um, during my workout. You know, they said they bring in a lot of guys, you know, that they see or that they like on film, but it's different when they work them out in front and in person. So, you know, that was a big positive feedback. You know, that was pretty high on me. But at the same time, um, during that time, going through the little stage as far as, you know, me being ready or not, you know, I've I, I been go up there fully prepared like I should have been. Okay. So that's how that opportunity worked out. Okay. Um, so, um, you know, that's why I'm big on myself now, you know, with no excuses, so I won't have to go through that again, you know what I'm saying? So Definitely, definitely. We're talking to former Colorado State running back Raymond Carter. Now, Raymond, if things don't work mm-hmm. out in the NFL, would you be willing to play in Canada? Oh, yeah, um... I'm open for everything. I'm saying, like, I'm not a game so much. I just want to play, to be honest with you. You know, so I just want to, you know, be a part of a team. So, because, I mean, there's no greater feeling just being a part of a team, knowing that you, know, you have the opportunity to play the game that you love and, you know, show everybody what you're capable of. There's no better feeling than that. So, like, so I'm willing to, you know, NFL, CFL, you know, I'm willing to do it all, you know, whatever. Yeah. Opportunity comes my way, you know. I'll take advantage of it. You know, I won't complain at all because, I mean, that's all we. That's all a you know a player like me asks for is an opportunity. You know, so. Right. But um, yeah, I wouldn't mind at all, at all. And that's all you can ask for in life is an opportunity. And Raymond, if you do well in Atlanta, you go to the Super Regionals in April. There's a lot of pressure on you right now. Are you a little nervous, or is it basically anxious? Are you anxious to make a statement to show the, uh, the league and everybody in the league that you can play on the NFL level? Um, you know, just knowing how I am, you know, I'll, I'll probably get nervous because you know, you know, this is you know, uh, uh, since I'm making another run, I'll probably get nervous. Um, once the time comes, but as of right now, you know, I'm pretty just calm and relaxed right now. Yeah. I don't want to, you know, think about it too much because I just want to go in there and just do what I've been doing, like I've been training, so I won't go over there, there and overthink everything. Then, you know, that's where the problems start when you start to overthink. Definitely. So, you know, I'm just keeping calm right now. You know, so I'm not, I'm not thinking too much about it, but once you get closer, you know, that's when I start, you know, zeroing in, you know, of what I'm trying to do, you know, to get myself to those super regionals. But I mean, there's no pressure. I mean, it's, I mean, it's just another process that I'm going through, like similar to last year. So, um, you know, I just, you know, keeping myself, you know, calm so I can go in there confident, you know, to get the job done. Definitely, definitely. And, and, and Raymond, I mean, this year, you know, you ultimately things didn't work out for you last year. How difficult was this year for you? In terms of uh, you know not getting that opportunity in the, in the NFL and having to wait. Oh man, like uh, I think like every football player that that's 
that's been in my situation, you know, we had our struggles, you know, I mean, you have the doubt, like, why I'm not getting the opportunity or waiting on the opportunity. Like, I had those moments. Like, I won't even um, sugarcoat it with you right now. But uh, I had my moments, you know, where I was, you know, you know, doubting myself, you know, my abilities, you know, to play in the NFL because, you know, once the season starts, everything, you know, slowed up for me. So um, it was a struggle. Um, you know, I I wasn't working out as I used to, like I was doing. Uh, I was worried about other things. Um, so, but you know, with the with the family structure that I have, you know, and you know the, the small circle that I have, you know, they got on me as far as you know rededicating myself because you know they believe in me and they believe in my abilities, and right. um. You know they stay on me as far as um, as far as getting better and just use this experience. You know, use this struggle to uh, make me a better person. Person, so I know, uh, so I can grow from it. Definitely. And, you know, I definitely grown from it. You know, it it made me more grounded than where I was last year. It made me more humble. Um, it made me um, count on you know my faith more. You know what I'm saying? Leaving it up to God's hands, and and that was big. That was helpful too. You know, getting getting back in the Word and going to church with my mom. You know, getting back in there and you know just rededicating myself. You know, to right. still chase what I've been chasing all this long since I was little, since I started playing since I was seven. So you know, having those people around me, you know, they really got me going. So um, you know, I rededicated myself. You know, went back to training and training four days a week, nonstop. You know, my focus has been on everything that um, that I have going on for me. So, um, you know, my family and my close friends and everybody, you know, that that's in my circle, you know, um, they've been really helpful as far as me being where I am now. So, um, right. yeah, but, you know, I embrace the struggle. And I think I needed that, you know what I'm saying, to open my eyes more. To, um, so when the opportunity comes again and I get the opportunity, you know, to join the team, you know, I learn to embrace it more, you know what I'm saying, and then be humble about it and um, be grateful for it because, you know, it can come and go easy just like that. So, um, yeah, it helped. This, this time, this year off helped me a lot, you know, to grow as a better person. Well, your opportunity is March 16th in Atlanta. Raymond, you are on Twitter. Where can fans connect mm-hmm. with the humble one, Raymond Carter? Uh, yeah, I'm on Twitter, um, humble man underscore Ray. Uh, yeah, I'm pretty kind of active on Twitter, so that's my Twitter, humble man underscore Ray. Support this man. Follow this man on Twitter. And, and read about his journey his journey to the NFL's big moment for him on March 16th. Make it happen, Raymond. It was a pleasure talking to you, man. We wish you nothing but the best of luck and would love to do it again. Oh, yeah. Thanks for having me again. Thanks for having me again. I appreciate it. The interview that we did last year was pretty fun. So, yeah, it was good. Definitely, definitely. Yeah, thanks for having me again. You know, I appreciate everything, you know, that – I appreciate you for having me on your show. You know, to, you know, get no the problem, Raymond. You know, to get make it happen. Going, so. 
Oh, yeah. Make it happen and get to the league in 2013. Appreciate it. Oh, yeah. Thank you. I appreciate you. Raymond Carter, former Colorado State running back. Raymond is preparing for the upcoming NFL draft. And, you know, you, you just hear in his voice he's anxious. He's ready to go. and you, it's, it's the struggle. I mean, the thing about it is we, we, we all look at these guys and we say, you know what, they're making all this money. They have all this success, man. But, you know, the struggle. It's the struggle. It's not easy to make it in the NFL. It's not easy to make it in the NBA. It's not easy to make it in baseball. It's just not that easy. It's just not that easy. It's not that easy, folks. It's a struggle. It's a battle. But it's life. And struggle, battles, make you a better person. And it seemed like it made Raymond Carter a better person. And Raymond Carter is preparing to go to the NFL, preparing now for his big day, March 16th, in Atlanta. Hopefully things go well for him there. Hopefully he can make it to the Super Regional Combine in April. And then switching gears to baseball now and talking about a guy who who, who did a lot of great things in baseball, a guy who is going to hang it up after this season, the great Mariano Rivera. He's going to have his press conference tomorrow to tell the world, you know what, it is over. He is coming back from an ACL injury. Will he come back like Adrian Peterson? Will he be? Like Adrian Peterson. Will he be Adrian Peterson like? Will he be Adrian Peterson like and come back and I mean he is forty three years old, Mariano Rivera. All time leader in saves. ERA is 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 great as well. I mean, the guy has been a beast. He's been a problem for opposing hitters for many, many years. And you look at it now, I mean the funny thing is with with the Yankees and, and Mariano Rivera calling it quits, and you know you still have Pettit around and Derek Jeter. You know he's, he, the questions with his ankle. I mean, you know these this, these are the, like the final guys who were a part of that that dynasty of the Yankees in the you know the the, the late nineties and the early two thousands. I mean these guys are, are are the last part of that. The Jeters, the Pettits, and the Riveras of the world, the Mariano Riveras, they are the last part of that. And the thing about it is, you, you look at, you look at it, and the, with the Yankees and, and everything, I mean, the funny thing in the AL East, it's kind of been turned upside down. I mean, everybody's talking about Toronto and some of the moves that they made, you know, bringing in a guy like a Jose Reyes, that big trade they made with Miami, and bringing in a R.A. Dickey. I mean, we're talking about Toronto and Baltimore, another team we're talking about, and how dominant they were and how good they were last season. I mean, and, you know, the Red Sox struggled last year, and the Yankees, I mean, that, that was a team that got to the playoffs, but they broke down. They, they broke down once they got there. And the thing about it is, is it almost a changing of the guard in the AL East? Is it time now for the Yankees and the, the Red Sox to kind of take a back seat to now to take a back seat to the, the Orioles, to take a back seat to the Blue Jays. I mean, is it that time now? Is it, I mean, you look at the NL East, it's kind of similar story. I mean, is it time for the Phillies now, a team that was dominant in the NL East for, for many years? It's now the Nationals are there. The Nationals are now taking over 
the NL East? Is it that time? I mean, is it time? Is it just, you know, it's the way time, life goes. You know, things change. Things change in life, and that's just the reality of life. It changes. It changes. And, and I, you know, the Yankees, you know, I, I look at this Yankee team, and it, it might be similar to that Phillies team a year ago. I mean, a Phillies team that struggled with injuries. I mean, Ryan Howard missed a, a long period of time at the beginning of the year. You got uh, Chase Utley, who missed a long period of time uh, in the beginning of the year last year. And then you have the Yankees now, Granderson going for a while, Teixeira going for a while. I mean, and, and Jeter. I mean, Jeter says he's going to be ready, he's going to be good to go. But, I mean, you wonder now, are the Yankees going to be this year's version of the Phillies, of the 2011 Phillies? I mean, uh, 2012 Phillies, I should say. Are the Yankees going to be that version? I mean, a team that, the Phillies, a team that, you know, got out of the gates very slow, injuries was a part of that. But a team that did kind of finish strong, but just did not have enough to get to the playoffs. Will the Yankees be that team? They very well could be. They very well could be. Very well could be. The Yankees could be the 2012 Phillies. They could be the 2012 Phillies. A team that struggled with injuries. A team that got out of the gate slow. A team now... You look at the Yankees, I mean, Granderson is gone. Teixeira is gone. I mean, Jeter's coming off of the, an ankle break. Mariano Rivera is 43 years old. Their pitching staff, there are some questions there. I mean, the Yankees, I think, will be the 2012 Phillies. The 2012 Phillies and the Yankees seasons will mirror each other. You will see. The Yankees are a team now with the injuries, it's going to be tough. And the Phillies were a team a year ago. They never could overcome those injuries. And the Nationals were just a, a, a good a, – played some great baseball. Played some great baseball last season, and you expect them to only keep it going. And you look at the Nationals, I mean, they were, what, a St. Louis Cardinals miracle away from getting to the NLCS. A St. Louis Cardinals miracle. I mean, the St. Louis Cardinals – St. Louis cockroaches, as I affectionately called them for the past couple of years, because, it, 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 you know, this, this team just would not die. Ultimately, they were killed by the Giants. The Giants were able to stomp them out, ultimately. But the Cardinals just would not die. They just would not die. But they, ultimately, they were stomped out by the San Francisco Giants. But we'll see what happens with the Yankees. But I'm calling it right now. The Yankees, the 2013 Yankees, will be just like the 2012 Philadelphia Phillies. Get off to a slow start because of injuries and won't be able to make it all up. Just won't be able to do it. Let's bring in a guy now. We're going to talk about the week, the, the sports, what's going to be on television this weekend in sports, and then we're going to bring in our TV insider, the sheriff, y'all. The sheriff, y'all. Let's bring him in, the one, the only, Brian Sheriff. Brian, how are you, man? How you doing, Paul? Good to be with you again. Good to have you. And, Brian, let's get right down to it, man, the WBC World Baseball Classic. It gets started tonight for the U.S. 
What should yeah. we expect? Yeah, USA plays tonight. In fact, uh, they're going to be playing at about a half hour or so, 6 o'clock Eastern. And uh, they face Mexico, which was in a, a great game the other day. Hey, so far, WBC has been very entertaining. For example, Venezuela and Dominican, both teams are absolutely loaded, Paul. All-stars, world champions, the MVP of the, uh, you know, Cabrera has moved to first base to allow, allow the Panda, the Giants' third baseman, to play third base for Venezuela. DR beat them, Dominican beat them the other night. And it's a real funny moment in that game, and that's why this thing is so entertaining. They, uh, they had a rain delay at, in the first inning, and following the rain delay, they couldn't find the baseballs. <laughs> I've never How's that happen? Now, I've, been watching, I've been watching baseball a long time. Uh, they could not find the baseballs. Meanwhile, the fans in the stands, these games are played in Puerto Rico, they're just having a great time, waving flags. It was some great scene. Twenty minutes later, the guy comes out, the ball boy comes out of left field with the balls, and they resume play. But it was a terrific game. But, uh, and- yeah, so you got USA Tonight uh, on MLB Network versus Mexico, and then uh, they play Italy, and that's 6 o'clock Eastern, and then uh, tomorrow night they play Italy uh, at the same time, 6 o'clock Eastern. Joe Torre is the manager. R.A. Dickey, you mentioned him earlier, who uh, the Cy Young Award winner from the National League, who's now pitching for the Toronto Blue Jays, will start tonight. And uh, So, hey, hey, the USA is not a strong team. You know, fans you look at uh, you, look, you said they're not a strong team. An interesting thing, even with R.A. Dickey tonight, he is a knuckleballer, and there are, yeah. there are pitch counts for the pitchers. So yeah, how long does he really stay in the game? Yeah, well, you see, a knuckleballer, see, they do have an advantage tonight because you figure a knuckleballer is not going to tire his arm out. Uh, the Blue Jays folks, hey, all these, all these club folks are watching these things on pins and needles. Uh, for the United States. And it's the only country that really does this, obviously, because Major League Baseball is here. These other countries, you know, they, they go all out with their players. But the, the pitch count is 65. Right. And uh, so that should not be an issue for R.A. Dickey. Uh, Derek Holland is also starting. Uh, I don't know if he'll go tomorrow night or not. I'm not sure if Tori has announced his starter for tomorrow night. Uh, but but you... it, it should be very interesting. Hey, one comment on the pitch count. You know, which has become such a big part of baseball these days. Everybody talks about the pitch count. They shut down Strasburg, if you'll remember, on the National last year. He had reached so his, silly. Yeah. Yeah, they, they shut him down, uh, you know, in the middle of a pennant race. But uh, one thing that I'd like to see happen, you know, as you comment on TV, MLB Network, who's televising all these games, does not pitch, put the pitch count on their scoreboard. So, hey, for baseball fans, you know, this is a little thing. But everybody else is doing it. So I hope, you know, I know you got a lot of pull here, Paul, and a lot of people are <laughs> listening to your show. Let me say right now, put the pitch count on your mini scoreboard so fans will know what this is, particularly in the WBC where the pitch count is such a big part of the game. Right. No, that, that's true. The, sh- the sheriff has spoken. Put the pitch count on the graphic on TV. Put it on there. Put it on the scoreboard graphic on TV. The sheriff has spoken, and when the sheriff speaks, we all listen, so hopefully they'll do it. Hopefully they will do it. Also this weekend, Brian, we got golf. 
Tiger Woods, and you know, every time, anytime Tiger Woods is doing well, it's good for ratings and it's good for golf. He's doing this thing, WGC Cadillac Championship. He's at the top of the leaderboard, getting it done. Will a lot of people watch this weekend because Tiger is on top? Absolutely, he drives more ratings than any human being walking the face of the earth right now, bar none. When Tiger's in the lead of a golf tournament, it changes everything. It changes the way they present it on television. It changes everything, Paul. Uh, and he does right now have a, a two-stroke lead over Graham McDowell, who is a great golfer in his own right. But the, here's the story, and this is on NBC. Uh, they, they are televising Saturday and Sunday, 2 o'clock Eastern on Saturday. 3 o'clock Eastern on Sunday. The Golf Channel will mirror both coverages, both days, with what they call spotlight coverage. They, okay. they pick out a couple of holes and they concentrate on a couple of holes. Last week they concentrated on the bear trap when they were doing it. They, so it is for the golf junkie, this is great. You watch the normal coverage on the NBC, then you go over to the Golf Channel if you have that on your system, and you can watch their spotlight coverage, and it's with limited commercial success. But back to Tiger for a second. So he's got Graham McDowell, who won his tournament back in late November at Sherwood Country Club out here in California. McDowell, that's when Tiger invites 18 of his buddies in. He invited two Europeans, and one of them won the tournament, Graham McDowell. So he sort of spoiled <laughs> Tiger's party there. But he is a great golfer, former major winner in his own right. He's uh, two strokes back. But here's the deal. Phil Mickelson is three shots back, and all golf fans know, and even non-golf fans know, the only guy that matters to Tiger Woods is Phil Mickelson. He's the only one that he pays attention to. So anytime you get the chance for these two guys, now they won't be paired together tomorrow. Mickelson will be in the group ahead of Tiger. So Tiger will be looking at Mickelson for the 18 holes. Everybody likes them to play together because they – stare each other down, they don't talk to each other, and there's been a long rivalry that dates back to when they were young teenagers playing in California. But, you know, Mickelson is the one guy that doesn't fear Tiger, and he's the one guy that Tiger pays attention to, so it should be interesting. So Tiger tomorrow now, in the lead, will be watching Mickelson in the group ahead of him. Hey, Paul. You can't get much better television, sports television. That is good. That is compelling television. That is very compelling television. One of the two top golfers in the world going up against each other. And, I mean, that, that's that's big-time television. And how about Rory McIlroy? I mean, you know, we we saw last week two fake and uh, some mental issues and apparently maybe having some girl problems, could be having some issues with his clubs and, and, and all that. I mean, how do you think that story has been played up this week? Well, you know, it's interesting. Rory has what I call good guy capital, where he okay. gets a hall pass on this one. Walking off the golf course last week, we talked about it. Number one ranked player in the world, won everything last year, PGA Player of the Year, won the PGA Tournament, won two tournaments in the FedEx Cup. Ended up ranked number one, comes out, misses the cut in Abu Dhabi when he and Tiger are kidding around, basically, for that tournament. Comes back, gets beat in the first round of the first WGC match play tournament in Arizona. And then on his third outing, blows up in the second round, seven over after eight holes. So in normal circumstances, 
the press would absolutely murder a golfer who did this. But Rory McIlroy has been a good guy. He's 23 years old. He's been a good guy. He's good for the game. And so the press has treated him very well. At his press conference carried live by the Golf Channel last Wednesday morning, he handled it, I'd say, deftly. You couldn't do a better job than he did. He was honest. He handled every question, said he screwed up, won't happen again. Hey, he has good guy capital. He gets this one. But I'll tell you something. His swing. So you guy, think he deserves? You think he deserves that hall that hall pass? Yeah, you know he's a good guy and he's a young guy and certainly athletes. Are, hey, there's no question that golf has a higher standard than other sports in terms of on course management and on course rules. You know, golfers call fouls on themselves. Can you imagine the right. NBA in that situation? You know, you can't compare golf is you don't compare golf to any anything else and it's not as though we put golf above everything. I'm a golf fan. But I've always appreciated, you know, golfers blow the whistle on themselves. And as long as that keeps happening, I think the press in general will allow these guys, you know, these hall passes every once in a while. Now that's not to say what he did you know, what he did was pretty bad. I like I told you last week, I don't remember a player of that ilk ever walking off a golf course. But isn't that, isn't, that similar, isn't that similar to, let's say, LeBron James and the Heat? Let's say the Heat are getting blown out by, like, 25. LeBron James is on the court and just, just throws off his headband into the crowd and just walks off, the, walks off the court. Isn't it similar to that on some level? Yeah, yeah absolutely it is. You, you know, what comes to mind, you know, Scott Pippen actually did this. You know, right. you'll remember that when, when uh, Michael had retired, you know, they brought in Kukoc. And Phil mm. Jackson fell in love with Kukos. That's okay. And, uh, you know, there was that situation at the end of the game where, you know, they draw up the play, and it had always been Michael's play, and Scottie Pippen thought, well, it should be his play. And Phil Jackson called the play for Kukos, and Scottie Pippen set out. So he, he got murdered for that. You know, we're right, still talking sorry. about it all these years later. So, you know, he got murdered for that. So you're, you're right. I mean, here's the point. You know, oh, he this guy gets one call pound. I'm not saying okay. if, if he, if, you know, McElroy right now. And besides, you know, his biggest problem is he's lost his swing. That's right. his big problem. You know, and in golf, you were talking to the place kicker earlier. It's sort of like a place kicker. You have to groove that that swing, and if that it just shows you how tough the game is. You know, this whole notion is it's really. You know, it underscores how tough the game is. If a player like that can win everything three months ago and come out and lose his swing, it has no swing right now, uh, this is tough. So he's going to have to work on that. And I think he's going to have to stay on the course. Now, this week, it's interesting. With the WGC this week, there is no cut. So he actually shot 300 today. So he got back in. He's been playing with Tiger, and Tiger has mentored him. You know, Rory has been good for Tiger, too. He's the only guy that Tiger ever talks to on the golf course. I've been watching Tiger since he came up. Tiger is, is notorious for not talking to his opponent. He talks to, he actually talks to Rory. So he, he really has taken Rory under his wing. Played with him the first round because they're ranked number one and two in the world. And he destroyed, you know, he had a bad uh, Rory 
really had a bad uh, round yesterday. Played a little better today, but he's way off the lead. But it, it, he'll get a little television coverage tomorrow, but he'll, he'll start early. But he's going to have to stay out there all four rounds. He needs to get his swing together. He he's definitely to got He's definitely got to stay out there. Hopefully he does not uh, duplicate yeah. what he did uh, a week ago. We're talking to TV insider Brian Sheriff. And, Brian, press conference tomorrow, 10 o'clock uh, a.m. Eastern time. Mariano Rivera, the great Mariano Rivera, calls it quits, and he will announce that tomorrow. You'll be watching? I'll be right there. It'll be on Yes Network. And I'll tell you something, we've always we've watched these press conferences over the years, and, you know, you think about these press conferences, you think about Magic Johnson's press conference, you think about Wayne Gretzky's press conference, and I put Mariano in that class, absolutely. This guy, uh, you know, it's been his, uh, you know, through the Yankees, with his five rings. Through the Yankees dynasty, and you talk, and you correctly said it earlier, Paul. These guys are not. We don't think they're in the backseat now. They are in the backseat behind Baltimore <laughs> and and Toronto. But you know, for Yankee fans, this guy was the guy. Now you could argue that Derek Jeter and Bernie Williams and Paul O'Neill and and Jorge Posada. You know the core and Joe Torre, but right. in my opinion, Yankees don't win anything without Mo. No, definitely. You know, yeah. and so this press conference is going to be interesting. Hey, these press conferences, you know, they're orchestrated. Uh, he'll have his family there, likely. Hank Steinbrenner, who's now running the team, will be there. The GM will be there. They're going to do it down in Tampa. Yes, is going to cover it live. So you know, look for some emotion. And I'll tell you something else about Mo. Mo has been one of the guys that has, you know, really grown up. He's got a great sense of humor. He's overcome the language barrier more than anybody that I could I could really think of. And, uh, you, you know, he is a smart, smart baseball guy. So look for some wit during this press conference. Hey, I'm not surprised this guy could manage one day. I mean, he can absolutely manage. Definitely. He knows more about the personnel on his team. He's not just a pitcher out there. He knows where all the guys should be playing. He positions players behind him. Uh, so, you know, hey, don't get me started on Mo. I love Mo. So, yeah, that's <laughs> 10 o'clock tomorrow on Yes. The, the are, are you going to cry? Rivera retired getting, press are you going to cry in front of that TV? Hey, listen. Hey, you know, sports fans, you know what we do? I have a nine-year-old boy. And uh, you know what real sports fans do? We get goose pimples, and every once in yes. a while, get a tear. Absolutely. You know what? And, and you talked about your love for Mariano Rivera. It's similar to my love for Allen Iverson. And the funny thing is, when he returned to the Sixers back in 2010, and he was choked up around, he was crying at, at that particular press conference. He almost got me. He almost got me. So I, I know exactly what you're talking about. He almost got me, and Mariano Rivera may get the sheriff tomorrow. We shall see. And Brian, championship week, it's about to get started, and it's going to be very, very exciting. I mean, college basketball this year has been very, very wide open, and who knows? Some of those teams from a small conference could make noise in this particular tournament. Talk about championship week. 
Yeah, well, you know what? You know, it's always, you know, when we were at ESPN, when I was running college uh, basketball there, it would, it, you know, this was a hectic, hectic time at ESPN. Uh, we'd send the announcers all over the country, and the announcers would call me up and say, hey, I want to do this game. I want to go out and see this player. But, you know, it, you know, you concentrate on the big games, you know, the Big East tournament. I'll talk about that in the second ACC tournament and the Big Ten tournament. And now you've got the Pac-12 tournament. But, hey, listen, here, here's the deal this weekend. First of all, let's start with Saturday. Um, Duke and North Carolina. Now, it's not a part of championship week, but traditionally this kicks it off. They're going to play at 9 o'clock Eastern on ESPN. Now, Duke will likely, uh, no matter what happens in this game or the tournament, they're likely to be the number one seed in the East. They love putting Duke in in that slot. And uh, you you would expect them, you know, the game is in North Carolina. That's why sometimes you just throw out the records when those two play. So right. it'll be a good game to watch. And then you get the ACC tournament starting uh, midweek. So they give the Duke-North Carolina. Here's what interests me about championship week, which began two days ago, believe it or not. Gonzaga, and you, you called it last week, Paul, number one team in the country, first time in their history, they finished the regular season by beating Portland, finished number one. They will, uh, they're gonna, we're we're going to see them. Uh, Saturday in the West Coast Conference semifinals. They get a bye. That conference has already started in their conference play. So they get a bye along with St. Mary's, who finished second in the West Coast Conference uh, on Saturday night. So ESPN2 will cover the Zags on Saturday night, 9 o'clock Eastern. Now, it's a chance for folks. Hey, no, hey. Name me four people that have seen the Zags this year. They're ranked number one in the country. Definitely. So, yeah, so that'll be a good watch there. Now, you're expected to win that game. The finals and St. Mary's is expected to win their game. So you'll get the West Coast Conference finals on Monday at 9 o'clock Eastern on ESPN. So that really kicks off Monday championship week. Then you get in to all of the other conference tournaments, the punching their tickets, you know, teams getting excited. Hey, it's an exciting week. You know, capped off with the selection show next Definitely. Sunday on Definitely. CBS and, and everyone else. We're talking to TV Insider, Brian Sheriff. And, Brian, I talked about this earlier, the Miami Heat. They have an opportunity tonight if they beat the Sixers, which they probably will, and that hurts. But they probably will win and be will have a 17-game win streak. And, you know, this weekend they have Indiana on Sunday. Will the streak continue? And, and you know, this has been big time. This has been great for the league, and a lot of people are paying attention to this streak. And we'll be watching on television. You will be watching as well? Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, they got the heat right now. I mean, excuse me, they have the 76ers right now. That game is on NBA League Pass or Heat TV. It's not a nationally televised game. And right. then on Sunday, 6 o'clock Eastern, Paul, NBA TV. I'm not sure why ABC passed this game up. Yeah, Pacers yeah, that's, the, that's at, a good one. That's a good one. It's the best game of the weekend. Pacers yeah, definitely. Heat. Yeah, they'll be going for 18 in a row. Now, in case anybody, you know, everybody is wondering, you know, what, what you know, these streaks that only puts them like the seventh longest streak all time. So they have a ways 
to get into Definitely. that rarefied air, you know, the Lakers with their 33 right. in a row over two seasons. But it is fun to watch. I know you talked about it earlier. It's a lot of fun to watch. The Heat right now, I love this team, Paul. And, and this is a big coup for NBA TV because they'll have this game, basically the only national coverage, on Sunday night at uh, 6 o'clock Eastern. So that, that'll be a good game. They'll be going, uh, based on what they do tonight, they'll be looking at 18 in a row. The other night I watched that game, I saw, uh, the uh, you know, the Heat right now are a scrappy team. I don't have to tell you about the Heat. You know basketball inside and out. But I like the way this team is playing. They got the big thing. They play without a center. Hey, Chris Walsh is a small forward that's playing the five. So, you know, I agree with you. What makes this game so interesting is Pacers can bring a big man in there and actually challenge. You know, they do match up very well with the Heat. So this is going to be a terrific watch. Six o'clock Eastern Sunday, NBA TV. And Gus Johnson will be doing soccer. Gus Johnson, soccer. That sounds pretty exciting. I don't like soccer hey. too much, but I might watch because of Gus Johnson. Yeah. Hey, you know, this is one of the, the few announcers, Gus, who i you know, known for a long, long time, actually started at ESPN when he was about 22 years old. Okay. And hasn't changed much over the years. You know, that's 20 years ago or so. And, and he, um, you know, really – you know, Pave got his legs at CBS. CBS gave him really the platform, you know, to do football and basketball, and that's where he really just went off the charts. Hey, now, the, the old rule is play-by-play guys are supposed to allow their analysts to carry the show. The Pat Summerall rule is what I call it. And nobody okay. did it better. Nobody did it better. I mean, John Madden was – allowed to do his thing because Pat Summerall basically teed him up and got out of the way. And, you know, Gus Johnson sort of runs contrary to that, where he will dominate a broadcast on occasion because he has got such great talent. Now, I'm not here to say, hey, I'm not a Gus Johnson's agent. All these guys make mistakes. They make (laughs) big calls. You you, you know, hey, big call. But when you talk about an exciting type of announcer, no matter, you know, on football and basketball. Hey, it got to the point at CBS three years ago before he left that you cared more about hearing Gus Johnson's call during the NCAA tournament than you did the outcome of the game. Yes. You know, other sportscasters and other newscasts were putting this guy's highlights up and going to full sound to hear his call. That's how exciting he can make it. Hey, I'd like to see the guy on the NHL. I'd like to see, are you, hey, I tune into the NHL. I tune into horse racing. I tune, you know, okay. that's the kind of excitement. So, the, you know, he did the, he's done a couple of games. This is really the the pet project of Eric Shanks, who is the president of Fox Sports. Okay. And he has personally put his stamp on this and says this is no experiment. This guy is going to be our lead announcer on the 2018 World Cup. That should be interesting. So this is a that big be, deal for Gus Johnson. That definitely. And, you know, the reality is you 
you know, the, some of the words and some of the things you said about Gus Johnson. If Gus Johnson is looking for an agent, I think I know the perfect one for him, Brian Sheriff. Right. You're, yeah. you're, you really have talked him up very, very well. I think you should be his agent if he needs one. What do you think? Yeah, well, you know what? I don't think he needs one. He's doing just <laughs> fine without me. He's a, Gus, Gus is doing just fine. But all the best to Gus. Anytime you take on a new sport, he has admitted that he is a novice when right. it comes to soccer. Because it, it takes more than being able to call anti-cancer a goal. It takes more. You've got to know the players. You have to know the tendencies. You have to know the teams. You have to get along. You have to develop relationships with the team. Any announcers will tell you that you, you cannot call a game in a vacuum. You, you need stories from the players. And you need mm-hmm. their trust. You absolutely need your trust. So all the best. I, I think he'll do a terrific job. And you talked about hockey. We have the Blackhawks in there. Their undefeated streak, and you know, before we get to you know you talking about the Blackhawks and their games and everything, I look at this streak and it's impressive, but at the same time, it sheds light to a stupid rule that the NHL has in terms of these ties. I mean, you, you can still lose a shootout and still gain a point. Is that that's just the dumbest, stupidest rule in sports? Period. It's just dumb. And but anyway, their streak is impressive and. There, a lot of people are talking about them. How do you feel about these Blackhawks? Yeah, I know that's interesting. You know, the one game they did lose in that shootout was the Anaheim. So you, you, you and I would consider them with one loss. But, hey, listen. Right. 21-0-3, I don't care what sport you're talking about. Hey, you got to pay attention. Hey, Definitely. admittedly, I don't watch a lot of hockey, but this is exactly what the NHL needs right now. They, they need, you know, we'd like to see this guy, these guys run it. I mentioned last week, hey, the Kings won the, the Stanley Cup last year. I live in L.A., and, and and folks in L.A. don't know that. So, you know, they, you know, NHL really needs everything they get. Hey, for those who are interested, Blackhawks are playing the Avalanche tonight, 6 o'clock Eastern, which goes, they'll go for 22. That game is seen on NHL Network and seen locally in Chicago on CSN Chicago Plus. Come back if they win that, it'll be 22. They play again on Sunday locally on uh, uh, CSN Chicago, and it can also be seen on your hockey package. They play the Oilers at the Blackhawks. So let's give the NHL a little love, Paul. You got So you got to get your NHL pass now. And, and so you can watch these games. You got to get it. I mean, the, the streak is impressive. You need to get this. Yeah, the NHL Center Ice can be available on all of the carriers, Direct <laughs> TV, and all of the carriers. So uh, you give the NHL a little love. They're they're stumbling through half of a season. You know. You know with, what? The, uh, go ahead. The thing the thing about the NHL to me, I mean, you can't really find their games. I mean, you're having a hard time finding where their games are. And I think with the NHL, I think the mistake they've made is not going back to ESPN. I think the NHL needs to go back to ESPN if they have an opportunity. You, you know, ESPN has the resources to blow out any sport, and I would not disagree with you. They got a what they call a sweetheart deal from NBC. And, right. you know, with NBC Network now, NBC Sports Network, they're able to give them the exposure. Hey, sooner or later, 
the, a league like that can stop. They need to stop blaming the providers. Let's That's put true. a sport on the ice that people are interested in. If you build it, they will come. There are no <laughs> stars in the league. But you got the one star in Pittsburgh. You got another star in Washington. That's it. You know, That's true. They, they allow this fighting to go on. And they, you know, it, 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 hey, they need to look in the mirror and say, what are we doing wrong? Forget about right. blaming, you, you know, the, the, the NBC or ESPN or Fox won't give us these games. Let's straighten out the game on the ice. Definitely. I agree with you. I mean, I I, I truly uh, agree with you with that. And I just think, you know, just going back to ESPN, I just think, you know, everything ESPN touches, it kind of turns to gold. I mean, look what they're doing with the soccer and everything. I mean, they made an investment into soccer, and, and it's making it, you know, a little more relevant than it was or ever could be. So I, I just think NHL needs to go back to ESPN. And, and, you know, if you're a hockey fan, hopefully that happens. Brian, you are active on Twitter. Where can fans connect with you on Twitter? That's it. Thanks, Paul. It's uh at Brian Sheriff, and that's B-R-I-A-N-S-H-E-R-R-I-F-F-E on Twitter. Fans, connect with this guy. He knows television like no other. Brian, pleasure having you on, man. Love to do it again as always. Take care. Have a great weekend, Paul. You too. Brian Sheriff, TV insider, letting us know what to watch this weekend in the world of sports. We shall see what happens. A lot of interesting, a lot of interesting things to watch in the world of sports. A lot of interesting things to watch in the world of sports. And I'll be watching. I'll have my remote and, and I will be watching with my remote and I will be relaxing and putting my feet up and watching some basketball, watching some hockey, maybe. No, nah, I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not going to watch any hockey. Maybe, maybe. The Blackhawks story is 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 a story. It is a story. So maybe I'll watch that, possibly. We shall see about that. About another minute left in the show. I mean, a lot of great things to watch. College basketball is heating up, and if you can pick the winner – and who will get to, who will win the the NCAA tournament? I got some money for you because I don't know who's going to win this thing. This thing is it, it's so wide open. No one wants to be one, number one. Whoever gets number one ultimately, you know, loses right away. I mean, no one can stay at the number one spot in college basketball. So I mean, a lot of great things to to see. A lot of great things to watch in college basketball these next few weeks. I mean, it's going to be hot, heavy, and exciting. College basketball March Madness. It's going to be great. It's going to be exciting. And then, of course, the NBA is still heating up the Miami Heat and their big-time streak in the Lakers. We'll see what happens. And the NFL free agency starts next week, March 12th. So that's going to be hot and heavy. That's going to be very hot and heavy. It should be exciting and figure out where everybody goes. Where is everybody going to go? Where is everybody going to go? So we shall see next week. You've got March Madness. you got the free agency and NFL, NFL free agency. you got a lot of great things. Going on. We want to thank Caleb Sturgis, former Florida kicker, for stopping by. Appreciate him stopping by and wish him nothing but the best of luck as the NFL draft approaches. Also, we want to thank Raymond Carter, 
Colorado's former Colorado State running back as he prepares for the upcoming his regional combine in Atlanta. I wish him nothing but the best of luck. Humble guy. Just want him to get to the NFL. Seems like a very, very good guy. And also we want to thank our TV insider, Brian Sheriff, for stopping by. You can listen to this show and other great shows at blogtalkradio.com slash pgam where you can listen to this show and other great shows. Follow us on Twitter at GoForItGain. Also, hit us up on YouTube, youtube.com slash user slash GoForItGain. For everybody here, go for it. See you later. Take care. Bye.